Hello Wildcats, welcome to the Crying Den. Here we chill, we vibe while talking about some famous murders, crimes that shook this nation to its very core. I'm your lovely host Nia. Just a quick introduction, I am a criminal justice major, but y'all, did you? what else did you think? What else did you think? <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts, don't want to be specific. I'm part of the class of 2024. Thank you for tuning in, whether it's remotely or on campus. Just thank you. It just really means everything to me. It means a lot for JWoo Live. Just thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> So for the very first podcast, I want to bring in a case where I was inspired to become a criminal justice major. Now, there's many other cases and stuff that happened that inspired me to to be part of it, but this one just lit up. It was a spark, and it just sparked up my interest to become a criminal justice major here at Johnson & Wales. Because at a time, I was undecided. Like, I was one of those people that were undecided and will just go with the flow. That was my plan until I heard about what happened. Today, we're going to be talking about the Watts homicide case. Today's episode is inspired by Netflix's amazing documentary, The American Murder, The Family Next Door. It is about the deaths of Shannon, Celeste, and Bella Watts. Now, some of you guys may have heard of it from news outlets, from online. Like, this was very big. Now, I highly recommend that you watch it. Honestly, if you're uh, that person who really likes documentaries, forensic files, that type, then this will be your magnum opus. (laughs) Like, this documentary was really, really good. I really... Even though the subject matter was very dark, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, whether you got to get the Netflix password from your mama, your side bay, your main bay, that's your business. But if you get a chance, I highly recommend it. If not, a lot of the parts that I'm going to be talking about, you can find easily on YouTube. Sometimes just a quick Google search, you can find it. So I'm finding some of the videos and all the police um, body cams online. So before we dive in, I just want to talk about two things. First, I just want to thank our sponsor, Top Shelf Podcast. Thank you so much. Importantly, today's episode, we are going to be talking about some content that will be unsettling to some viewers. So, so viewer discretion is highly advised. And now, let's begin. All right, let's get... Th- Let's just get the start of all of this mess. So prior to meeting Chris, Shannon had failed marriage. After the divorce, she built herself up, and it started with a new home. Now, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of stuff surrounded by the house. But for now, you just got to know there's that she built the house after that divorce. Then she met Chris Watts in 2010 on Facebook. Now, Schmidt, as addressed in the documentary, she did deny him, un- denied him, but he persisted, and finally they clicked. 
and then they got married in 2012. Later, they would start a family, starting with Bella, who was born in December 2013, and a few days later, a few years later, they had Celeste, who was born in July 2015. The family did have some financial troubles. I think it was mentioned briefly in the documentary, but it wasn't the big thing, but they did. And that led to some arguments, Very, and they became more constant as the months went by. In the beginning, Chris decided to work at an oil field operator, remember that, while Shan took a job as a sales rep. So, all right, it's August 13th, 2018, and in Frederick, Colorado, Shannon Watts and her young daughters were, at the time, Bella, who was four years old, and Celeste, who was three, disappeared. Her friend, Nicole Atkinson, noticed her disappearance. Now, Shannon went on a business trip, and very early in the morning of August 13th, Nicole dropped her off. But then, later on through the day, she didn't go to her appointments, and she didn't hear from her all day. So, of course, as a normal friend would be, she got worried. Come on, I haven't heard from you, I haven't seen you. It's too quiet. So, she told Chris, and Chris was on his way from work. She called the police when she noticed her car wasn't there, and nobody answered the door. And now, if you have three kids, two kids, and especially who are toddlers, guys are, and if you have a baby, babysat, I mean, kids are that young, running around, all that. If a house is too quiet, <laughs> that means they're doing something. <laughs> so she called the police normally. At first, um, of course, you know, neighbors would be worried because you think of the worst. But, you know, people said, no, they haven't seen her. But the officer had to wait. Quint to body cam. And, uh, and when you see the body camera, if you see it, he looks around making sure nothing outside looks fishy or whatever. But he had to wait because he had to wait for the owner of the house, Chris, showed up. Now, Chris, he was confused. He was acting serious. So he said maybe he didn't know, he didn't hear from her all day. Maybe she went out with some other friend. Now, Nicole's like, what? That's not normal. She had all these things, all these things to do. Like, she had a appointment today with an OBGYN. She didn't have time for that. Like, come on, let's be real. So they went in the house. They looked around. Nothing looked at a place. It was a normal house. But they did realize she left her purse. And it had a lot of her medications, a lot of her stuff that, you know, you would normally bring with you, like her wallet, all that stuff. Yeah. So she, all that was left in the kitchen. So they went around, asked the neighbors if they saw anything, did they hear from her, see her leave. Then one of the, their neighbors pointed out that he has security cameras and he has one that points right across the street where the Watts live. So, if you ever get a chance to see this body, the body camera footage, whoa. Chris's demeanor changes like that. He becomes, uh, you know, the normal worry. Maybe she's out and about. Come on, she can't be. Nothing could have happened to her. 
too worried. He was nervous. And if you see him, he is, he's not able to stand still. He's jittery. His jitters, jitters. And he's mumbling, going off. And so they went to the house, to the neighbors, to see the foot, the security footage. You see, and the only footage you see, well, I mean, at the house was Chris backing in and out. So going in, going into the driveway, and then driving off to work. So, but that debunked his theory. Oh, well, I don't know where she went, because I just went for work, you know? So, the police take some information down. All right, they're going to put a missing person report. Yada, yada, yada. And then the neighbor noticed that he was acting so out of place. He was so awkward. Like, you can tell. Like, this guy is, like, he was a mess. But the neighbor realized that something's up. And this guy probably has something to do with everything. Like, he knows what's actually going on. But the police officer said, he was basically, the police officer was basically trying to cover him, saying, well, and denying that maybe he actually had something to do with this disappearance. Saying that his daughters, his pregnant wife are, like, gone. They disappeared. <laughs> so this may be him being out of touch, out of place, maybe was his way of coping. Or was it? Yeah. Now, I remember when I found out about what happened, what was going on in Frederick. So I was watching ABC News um, with David Muir. And I remember hearing about it a little bit earlier throughout the day, but I didn't, like, sat down and watch it so to know what was, like, going on. So this was my, oh, this is my chance, it's going on, maybe I'll talk about this, this, and that. And so on the 14th of August, he appeared on Denver 7 to talk about his missing wife and his daughters. And ABC showed that little snippet of interview. Now, immediately, without a doubt, I knew he killed them. I was like, I don't want to be that pessimistic person, that Debbie Downer. And I'm like, he killed him. Now, my family pointed me out, like, Mia, I think you can calm down the criminal, you know, law and order, all that <laughs> CSI. Like, come on, yeah, settle down. He probably did not kill him. Boy, oh boy, were they wrong. <laughs> so, let's bring it back in. Bring it back in, y'all. All right, so during the evening of August 15th, Chris was asked to go to the police station to answer some questions. They have some concerns regarding the case. He agrees, and he goes. The investigators make him take the polygraph. All right, so just a quick break about the polygraph. So polygraph doesn't work. <laughs> I just want to point that out. doesn't work at all. There's been so many times where people committed horrific atrocities, and they pass a polygraph. And they actually teach classes. Like, people teach classes on how to pass a polygraph. All you have to do is be chill, be cool, keep your, you know, be chill, don't get nervous, and you pass. Well, 
that didn't work for Chris today because he failed. And I think the investigators like knew that he was going to fail too because they were like, oh, come on. It's everybody has to do it. It's all right. Like you're going to be fine. So they take it and they're like, so you knew you were going to fail. Come on. And investigators do that tactic. They make it so that you, that you break. They want you to confess. So they do that tactic on him. Like, come on, it's been a long day. Your daughter's, your pregnant wife is gone. Out of the blue. We can't trace her, we can't find her. But we know you knew something. Just kept denying it. No, I don't know nothing, I know nothing. Until the police dropped a huge ball on him. The police knew about his relationship with Nicole Kessinger. Now, some of you are like, who is this woman? Back it up, Neil. Who is Nicole Kessinger? You didn't mention her at all. Just wait for this. All right, so Nicole Kessinger is his basically his mistress. <laughs> so Nicole originally started out as a co-worker, but, but you know, after talking and all that, they started to seriously date around the end of June, beginning of July. Guys, I kid you not, this was weeks, weeks after Shannon told Chris about her pregnancy. Can you imagine, like, after your wife tells you that she's pregnant with your child, you go start a whole relationship with a whole nother woman? Oof. So, he told this string of lies about her, about his relationship with his wife. He basically told Kessinger that he and his wife were separated. You know, they're about to go through a divorce. He doesn't love her like that anymore. They don't do anything like that. And that basically started their relationship. Nicole knew about the marriage, but he, but, you know, he told her that, oh, we're not together anymore. We're separated. I only live with her because, you know, we're about to get divorced. We're doing it for the kids, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when he started living that double life. Coming, leaving, going out, going to work, doing all that stuff, and then seeing Nicole, hanging out with her, being her boo, and then going back home, being a lovely husband to Shannon and having time with the kids. (laughs) I can never imagine. So... Then when Shannon, you know, a couple months before her disappearance, she took a five-week vacation to visit family. So Chris agreed to come to go, you know, the last few week, last week, and spend time with family with Shannon and the kids, celebrate Celeste's birthday. But he was he was working, yeah, but he was also hanging out with Nicole as well. And the relationship was building and building and building. Even in her records, Kessinger searched up wedding dresses. Yeah, that's how bad she fell for Chris. 
Nicole only went to the police station because she found out that Nicole, that and Nicole's man was on the news saying that his lovely wife and his two kids went missing. And she got worried because he, she was afraid that he harmed them, that something really bad happened to that poor family. So he went, so she went to police. And, and if you see the footage, they talk about the relationship, how he was as a person. Now, at this point, she knew that all of this was lies, that she has became part of this big web of lies. He was still with Shannon, still getting on with Shannon, being that lovely husband or trying, but they still had arguments. But what was surprised is like, not even if there was any harm to the kids, the police officer asked her, did you ever say anything ill will about kids saying that you hated kids? And she said, no, I never even mentioned that ever. And that's when she realized that everything that he said was lies. So she told everything that she knew with being with Chris and went on her merry way. But just, I just really, honestly, I feel really bad for her. Like, knowing about, like, just being part of that web, web of lies, next thing you know, his family's missing. <laughs> like, out in the blue. So, they told him about them knowing about her, and he failed the polygraph. So, Chris, that's when Chris started to be worried. He was nervous, like like when the neighbor told told police that he had security camera, like near it, that shows his house, like but ten times worse. He knew it was on very thin ice. It was any moment that it would thaw out and he would break. Police kept pressuring him, telling him, "Come on, it's late. You have two little girls." Pregnant wife, come on. God didn't know what happened to them. They kept pressuring, pressuring, pressuring him. Until he asked for his dad. His dad's like, come on. If you know something, tell me. Just say it. You'll be okay. His presence of his dad. That's what broke him. Just that. Him being there just broke him. That's when he confessed to murdering Shannon. At first, he said that Shannon killed the children. And once he saw that she killed them, he killed her out of rage and anger. Then claims that he buried the body, well, he buried Shannon while he put the two children in oil tanks at the property where he worked. Okay, now, that didn't add up. (laughs) The police knew that something was missing. 
and what was not mentioned at this time, which I'm surprised Netflix didn't bring this up. And as of from here on now, there's a lot of things that Netflix didn't bring up, but we'll mention that hopefully later on, is that also Chris texted, put a group, made a group chat with a realtor, a uh, state realtor, him and Shannon in a group chat to talk about selling the house. Chris, it was mainly at the, it was mainly Chris and the realtor. The realtor realized that Shannon was silent. And he claimed that, oh, she might have been busy. She's been really quiet today, but hopefully she'll respond. And the realtor pushed that side away. But, but that was enough to arrest him. The police were like, okay, he confessed. He did this, this, and that. Going, he's going in. And on August 15th, at 11.30 p.m., Chris Watts was arrested for suspicion of first-degree murder charges. And three of them. And three charges of tampering with a deceased human body. He pleaded, he pleaded guilty to the murders on November 6th. Month, months later. Later on, was sentenced to three consecutive life, three life sentences without the possibility of parole. This guy ain't going nowhere. Not gonna see the beautiful fields, crisp air. Nah, he ain't going to do that. He's in bars. Now he only got. Now it is. Now he was supposed to actually get the death penalty, but you know he pleaded and due to. Uh, if he told what happened to the kids. And eventually he confessed that he actually did kill the kids. Not in too much detail, but he said he did. Shannon didn't, but he did. And also the request of the family. Shannon's family. They just wanted peace. The, the daughter's gone. The children are gone. They just want peace. So... He got the, so he, he just life in prison. In February 2019, that's when we actually know what happened to Shannon and the girls. Now, this is very iffy, so just, just hang on. So he said after Shannon got home after the business trip, she accused him of cheating, and that is when he officially snapped. He strangled her, and then she he just wrapped her up in sheets. And then, but at, but this part is what's iffy because Shannon's family said that Shannon has said that she has always been a fighter, and if. She was truly awake when when Chris killed her. Then he would have been scratched up. Like that, it would have been pretty scratches, punches, bite marks. He would have been marked up. Like she wouldn't go down easily. So, but they do believe that he actually killed her in her sleep, and they he they don't believe that. Oh, they were just arguing, and then once she accused him. 
you just choked her and then she died. Like, yeah, no. So when he officially, when he actually killed her, she was not breathing anymore. He wrapped her up in bed sheets. Little did he know, little Bella walked in, heard noise, and asked what happened to mommy. Once again, Netflix didn't mention this, but before killing Shannon, like he was, no matter what, he was always planning to kill Shannon. It was when, and what was going to just make him like spark up to kill her. He actually went to the children first and smothered them with their pillows in their sleep. So basically, he killed them in her in their sleep, but he failed because. You have a little Bella and then little Celeste walking into the room asking what happened to their mother. So Chris, of course, was a little upset because, you know, he failed. So he had to go plan B. So he loaded the girls in the wife's body in his truck. Drove them 45 minutes to the property where he worked. And then that's when he dug up a shallow grave and put Shannon's body in the hollow ditch. Yeah, it's more like a ditch than a grave. Then he went to his kiss, kids. He took Celeste and her favorite blanket and smothered her to death. He's, and then Bella saw this. Being this cruel four-year-old girl, shocked, scared, didn't know what to do. And then once he was going towards her, trying to do the same thing, same thing to her, she pleaded and begged, Daddy, don't do this to me, don't do this to me, what you just did to Cece before killing her. Chris even admitted that he still hears Bella saying this, this is what keeps him up at night, this makes him go crazy little girl just it's like he it's taunting him making him feel guilt about what he just did now this documentary is probably made is probably one of their best one most viewed documentary that netflix has put out but it also brought up something very important murders like this are premeditated I forgot to mention this earlier. As they said, as I said earlier, they had some problems, some bumps in the road, and they had countless arguments. In fact, many neighbors said that they heard them arguing way before her disappearance. Like I said, not really mentioned in the um, Netflix documentary, but he would always work out like after the arguments, building up muscle. If you saw photos of Chris after the murders and before, totally different guy. He was fit, he had muscle, like, come on. Like, this is a textbook case that that proves that murders like this are premeditated. You think about this. You slowly plan this. And as he was hanging out more and more with Kessinger, and she was falling in love 
and thinking about her future with Chris. Because at the time, she knew that, you know, Lucky separated, and he and I love him, and, you know, let's shoot my shot and call it a day. Like, all this for love. And the worst part is that he did this because he wanted to get rid of he knew stuff with Shannon was going south, so get rid of her. Hey, don't even take the kids with you. Get rid of the kids as well. Call it a day. So he can start his life over with Kessinger. Instead of going the more traditional route with divorce, because, you know, sometimes divorce can be expensive, like, even not even settling this outside of court, he chose to erase it. Erase Celeste, Celeste, erase Bella, and erase Shannon. Just because of love. Yeah, and that is the first episode of The Crime Den. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It really, really means everything to me. Thank you so much. Now, y'all, please, at this time, I'm, before I close out, I just want to quickly say, guys, please vote. <laughs> it's been crazy, and a crazy amount of, of people in our age range in 2016 did not vote at all. So if you're able to vote, so many ways absentee voting or even in person voting early like I'm gonna do please just vote alright guys take care of yourself you are worth it thank you so much for tuning in what else and thank you for our our sponsor Top Shelf Podcast guys I will see you soon this is Nia and I'm signing out See you later, Wildcats.